If you'll turn with me to the book of Acts, we're going to continue in the series tonight. Acts is in the latter half of the Bible, behind the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you get to Romans and Corinthians, you're going too far. So Acts 9, starting in verse 36. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Luda was near Joppa, and the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they looked him. They took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him. Excuse me. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with Simon, with one Simon, a tanner. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Colin. I loved uh, hearing you worship tonight. It was like especially loud. For the remainder of the night, you're going to hear me um, call the lady that we just read about, Tabitha. And that's just because... In 2022, Dorcas is an unfortunate name. And so, and that's okay. That names are, names come and go. I have a great-grandmother who was named Fanny. So that name doesn't work anymore. So we're just gonna stick with Tabitha for this evening. And I think what we're gonna see, last week we looked at the three qualities of these godly first men, these seven men that were called and, uh, and later we would call those men deacons. And so tonight, we're gonna kind of flip the tables and we're gonna see, so what, what person in the book of Acts as we go through this book is given a few characteristics and really stands out? This is the first time I've ever studied Tabitha and she has quickly become uh, a hero of mine. She is uh, just this incredible woman And I think what we see in Tabitha is that the heart of Jesus lives on. That's what we continue, as we see her story and as we kind of imagine ourselves in it, we're going to see the heart of Jesus living on through her. And I think that's what the people around her saw. And I think that's why she gets a part in the Bible. There was something special about the heart of Jesus who had ascended to heaven at this point. So now it's just the church is like us. We are the representatives of Christ. We are not Christ, but we are what a lot of people associate Christ with. And so she exhibited the heart of Christ living on her. We're gonna see three characteristics in her, and then we're gonna actually add a fourth that goes to really all people that follow the Lord. I will say that as I was thinking about studying and teaching on how a woman ought to be, I realized I was treading on like, I was thin ice, like I knew I could really mess this up. Um, and I understand that it's, I, I, I mean, I'm married to a woman, I, I like Heather a lot, like she's wonderful. I would never wanna be a woman. I think it's like way harder to be a woman. If the Lord had made us the ones that had to like procreate and stuff, 
no one would be left. It would just be like a, like a forest. Would, that's all that would be here. There would be no one left. It is much more difficult to be a woman, I think, in like every way. I mean, when I think about 2022, even now there's, there's paid discrepancies. Uh, it's hard for women in the workplace to get credit for their work when some loud dude is like right there, like kind of butting his way in. I think at times it's hard still for a woman to be taking, taken seriously. I think sometimes women are only seen outwardly and never inwardly. Um, how do you balance as a Christian woman um, being strong and yet knowing when to subject yourself to a man in leadership? Like that, it's hard enough for me to subject myself to men in leadership. I can't imagine, it just Lord bless you. Uh, I think being genuine with other women, AKA cattiness, like y'all can be mean to each other. Um, guys are like mean for a minute and then we like fight or something and then we're like, wanna hang out? Like we just, uh, we're just much more simple creatures. Um, I think there's also like, even in the grocery store and stuff, like you women have to do stuff that us men don't. Like, can you even smile at the guy who's like getting the milk carton out without him thinking you're like, I love you? Like, even that is like really, like, I never think about that. Like, never think about it. I just think it is, the Lord has given you a high calling to be a woman. And when the Bible speaks of you as the weaker vessel, I think that that is an often deeply misunderstood passage. Weaker is maybe just way more different. I did a wedding this past weekend and I talked about that because that's out of 1 Peter 3. And I think weaker maybe in the sense of like a super intricate flower and a dude is like pretty simple rock. Like not less than, just different. And so we wanna tread into these waters boldly but with understanding. I, women are given a clear equality with men, Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Women and men are both the imago Dei. So make no mistake, there is total equality in men and women being the imago Dei. We're just given different roles and again, in the book of Genesis, chapter two, verse 18, these roles start to form. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So you start to see there's a role where the man does one thing and the woman is helping that man, but both are equally made in the image of God. Let's take a look now at Tabitha and let's see these three qualities that we wanna spend the rest of the evening talking about. I do first want to go back to last week, if you missed, and I just wanna show you the contrast comparison. So in the book of Acts, chapter six, it says, now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. 
the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. So what we see here, the good repute means others think highly of these godly men. The full of the spirit, they walk with God and this idea of they have wisdom, their actions honor God. So this is from last week, Acts 6, one through three. This week, the first two verses. Now there was in Joppa, can we, can we get it up on the screen or no? Is it up on the screen? Look at that, you're fast, that's good. Um, David, by the way, if you haven't met David yet, David, yeah. David, David is awesome. Uh, I mean, everybody back there is awesome, but David and I have just known each other for a really long time. So anyway, we love David. Um, and uh, so let's get back, ADD, sorry. Acts chapter nine, verses 36 and 37, which Colin just read. We're gonna see three characteristics here. Now, these are fascinating. There was in Joppa, now this is like mind-blowing. The only time in the Bible that someone other than a man is ascribed this word. Right out of the gate, you know there's something special about this lady. She is called a disciple. The disciple, we don't hear the difference. When you read it in Acts chapter nine, you see the feminine form of the word. When you read it in, in other places in the scripture, you see the masculine form. It is the only time someone in the Bible gets named this. So Tabitha is a disciple. And Tabitha is an Aramaic name. And so when Luke was writing this letter, Theophilus, his buddy he was writing to, wouldn't understand Aramaic, so he said, which is translated, it means Dorcas. Both of those words mean the gazelle. She was full of good works, and acts of charity. And now, the fourth little category that I wanna put in there is very interesting. It says, in those days, she became ill and died. So, let's just take a quick look. Here are the three characteristics that we're going to see of this woman who really embraces the heart of Jesus living on. So, the first one, she is a disciple. Now, there are tons and tons of people that were considered disciples, but even in Jesus' day, they fell off. And so we're like, okay, that term, that term tends to get tightened as the New Testament goes on. It was a very common Jewish term, but disciples of Jesus seems to get tightened as the New Testament goes on, meaning it's harder to fit into that category. This is not just a Christian. This is not just someone who goes to church. This is like a next level of full devotion. I'll just put it simply. I used this for the men last week, for you ladies. There were no hidden rooms in her life that God did not have access to. She was that kind of woman. The Lord had reign over her in every area. And so, she was a disciple. Now, the, the works and the charity, I'm going to actually use different words because they make a little more sense when you, when you go back to the Greek and translate them into modern English. So for works, we're gonna use the word kindness. 
And for charity, we're going to use the word mercy. So she was a lady full of kindness and mercy. A lady fully devoted to the Lord who embodied a certain beautiful type of kindness and mercy. And now the last little bonus category here that we will give to her that also applies to some of, at least one of, the seven chosen in Acts chapter six is suffering. Do you notice that this lady who gets a whole part of Acts chapter nine, the same chapter that the apostle Paul comes to Christ in, we see in her suffering. And suffering, that's one that kind of sneaks up on you. I think that suffering often catches us off guard. Nobody talks about suffering when you come to faith in Jesus. Nobody's like, is your life going to hell? Do you need a savior? Come suffer with me. Like nobody says that, like it would not sell very well. But what happens is when you come to Christ, you're often like ambushed thinking, I thought everything was gonna go perfect and then it doesn't. And so there should be some solace as we see the story of this lady that she, this super godly woman who was impacting an entire community was not immune to the sufferings of this world. So before we get any further into this, I actually wanna invite up, um, I wanna invite Heather up, my sweet wife, and I wanna invite Taylor Schwan up, and I just wanna kinda talk about a, a couple of these traits with both of y'all. So come on up, if you would. I'll grab your mics for you. Come on up, it's a big step. Oh, Heather needs her water. We're gonna be up here for a while, huh, sweetie? I was just kidding. You can say that if you're married, like if you have a great relationship. I was just kidding. I thought there was like grumbling, like you're gonna get it later. I'm gonna give you this one. We just found out that we were standing. Oh, yeah, she sorry, you're standing. She yeah. It's okay. It'll be, it'll be great. You'll, you'll do great. So let me just let me just go ahead and we'll we'll walk through this just briefly. I feel like with with the two of you, it's better to have a little bit of word of wisdom from women as we talk about what it looks like to be the kind of woman that God wants us to be. And so neither of you, I know you're not perfect. I know there are many godly women in the room, but you, I know very, very well. I've seen all the parts of your life and I trust your walk with the Lord. And Taylor, you've shown us a walk with the Lord, so I think the two of you will be great. Plus to have a married woman and a single woman is really good. Were you gonna say something? I was just gonna say- You have to hold it like right here. I also don't like this. I know, I know. Um, I was just gonna say that it's, it's really, first of all, humbling to be up here. I don't count myself worthy to be up here speaking on this because yeah. we don't do it perfect. Um, but what I do hope that you see is that it's Christ. Um, I hope you see him first and foremost, because I'm not gonna do it perfectly. Don't ever look at me and think that I will. Um, but Christ in me, I want you to see. So I want him to be made known. Likewise, unworthy is the word, but grateful, yeah. Now both of you have to hold it even closer. 
It's gonna be great. <laughs> they can control the volume much better if you hold it closer. They're just like giggling back there. They love it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so let's just start. Like, what is? What would you say? Okay, so so I think it was very hard to be a woman in the first century, and to be a disciple, which was, she would have stuck out like a sore thumb in Joppa. Um, but still, what what would you say are some of the the challenges of not having any hidden rooms? Really being that trying to be that fully devoted person as a married woman and as a single woman today. You wanna go first, Taylor? Sure. Okay, great. Hi, I'm Taylor. Um, I think we were talking about this earlier, but the first thing that comes to mind with being a disciple is the scripture um, about loving the Lord your God with all your soul, all your heart, all your strength, and all your mind. Is that what you're That's exactly. Okay. That's the Shema, Deuteronomy. Uh, yeah. Yes. And, in that command, like all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength and all of your mind, mm -hmm. without Christ, like we are, that's not possible. And um, I think there's a lot of similarity that you're gonna hear from the single and the married as a woman. Um, one of the challenges is you have each other as a mirror mm -hmm. in those regards and for singles, um, that accountability comes through friendship and being really honest. And if you're devoting your all, then there are no hidden rooms, but thinking about your relationships, like who is in your life that is that mirror for you um, and really like truly does know that there are no hidden rooms. Yeah. The same, Deuteronomy 6, four through nine. Um, I just. There we go. Uh, I agree with that. Um, you just have to have accountability. And yes, it is. When you're married, you definitely have that. And you are refined and sharpened as iron sharpens iron. But that's also like what you're saying. Like that's for all of us. Um, and I also love how um, Jesus mentioned this, that it really doesn't matter if you have mother, brother, sister, whoever, like husband, um, wife, that doesn't matter. What matters is this. So it says this scripture in Luke, it says, then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So we're all called. Um, to live this out and to be hearers of the word. And that's what I love about the Deuteronomy verse is it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. Yes, so um, anyway, that it doesn't matter if you're married or single. We're called to be hearers and doers of the words of the Lord. I, I appreciate that both of you have alluded to the idea of accountability too, though. It's like both and, like, you know, I could, somebody could keep me accountable to eating right and I could still cheat if I wanted to. So accountability doesn't fix everything, but it's really helpful to have eyes in your life and eyes that are gonna be really honest with you. But at the same time, it's still knowing the Lord and 
choosing by his grace to follow and to love him. Um, And it does help for some of you to be the people that are like, hey, when was the last time you were in the Word? Hey, I mean, like asking really direct questions. This morning at six something in the morning, Heather walked out of the out of the bathroom, putting her makeup on, getting ready for school, and she said, "I thought you were going to talk to me about the scriptures on Tuesday morning." And I was like, "Yes, ma'am, I am right now," because I did say that, and then I just didn't do it. And you know what? It was like that little jab was like very direct, and it was like, "Okay, we need that." So, what about the idea that we see in her of kindness and mercy? So. Kindness, to to give a little definition, kindness from the Greek is usefulness. When you're kind to someone in Christ, not just kind so like you can get a parking spot or a deal or whatever, when you're kind to someone in Christ, you're helping them become useful. And showing mercy to someone is actually giving them what they don't deserve. Those are both traits that Tabitha clearly was not born with, no one's born with that, but in Christ, she had those traits. When did, when did that shift for the two of you? Because I think just in conversations, you would both say there was definitely a point in your life when your life was all about Heather, all about Taylor. When did kindness and mercy start to flow out of you? Do you wanna go first this time, or do you want me to? Okay. You go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say when We're talking about kindness towards other. I also think about serving others and being servant-hearted towards others. Um, I was very focused on myself in high school. I joke that's when I peaked in life. Um, High achieving, and this is connected to the next point that we're gonna probably talk about suffering, but um, a friend of mine really loved the Lord in high school, and I played AAU basketball with her, she was a great athlete, and she was diagnosed with cancer, um, and she died in 13 months. And so thinking about impact and kingdom work um, and just having a perspective of living with your eyes open towards others in high school, that was a real shift for me as I came to know the Lord um, because I recognize that when you walk into a room, you don't know what other people are going through, and there are a lot of people that are hurting, and so to walk into a room not focused on what I'm gonna say first, but to serve someone and ask how they are and just have a perspective that is how am I gonna care for this person um, was a definite shift in high school, and I saw other women who I know who really love the Lord doing that, and it just made a difference. Um, and I knew I wanted to live my life that way and have an impact in that way for the Lord. That's good. Um, for me, yes, the same. So I, I peaked also in high school, college. Um, I, I was at the pinnacle. I was popular girl squad you know, and the guys, the fellas, like everybody loved us, wanted to do whatever we were doing. I don't, I, I hate to say it like that because that, it just sounds ridiculous. No, I met her friends, it's true. But, um, yeah. and if you've been there, like um, when I, when Jesus found me um, in the midst of like just death, muck of the world that I was just chasing, Um, out of the blue, um, my life was changed. And 
I didn't want to live that way anymore. I had lived it. I've lived it. I've been at the top. I've had that power um, that people want so much um, and control over others. And um, when you become a believer, it's just something that you don't need anymore. Um, the platform is not for me. It is for him. He has done everything to deserve it, and it's his. So I always pray that I give him the platform, not me. I try to not be any part of that. It's his. Um, and one of my, the verses that um, when I did return to the Lord, um, it's, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So I felt that immediately. I did not want to be that girl that was divisive and drama queen and stirring all the things. Um, I wanted to be about building people up. I want to champion people. I want to exhort people. I want to encourage people. I want to come alongside people because I didn't have that right at the beginning. And I want to be that person for y'all. That's what I have given my life over before Thomas. I want to be about um, helping you out in your faith and your walk with the Lord. And also, burden for those who don't know him. I have a strong heart for those people that don't know him because I've been there. And I know what I've been delivered from. And I know that Christ is life. And there's nothing greater. Um, so that's what I, I just choose to devote my life to 100%. And I want to fill it with time with you guys and serve and be there um, to help in your relationships with the Lord too. And you help me. I learned so much from you guys. So I just love, I love all of you. I wish I could get to know every one of you really well. I really do. I wish I had that time to do that. Well, both of you definitely went through a transformation, just like a lot of you have, where life was all about you, especially you ladies. You know that, like that jockeying for position, the mean girls, the whole circle, and uh, or you were victimized by that, and you don't want to be that. But in Christ, the Lord changed you, and you saw that there was death in those former behaviors, and there's life in actually giving yourself to the Lord and to others. But in the process of all that suffering hits. And usually it's kind of a shocker. You come to the Lord, things are going great. You assume they will always go great. You'll just be like this life raft for all these drowning humans. And then all of a sudden you're sinking because you've been hit with trauma and you've been hit with, uh, with suffering. What, how have you coped with that and still kept your eyes on the Lord? So for me, one of the hardest times, um, because when I started walking with the Lord again, um, everything, I would pray and my prayers would get answered. And it was just like I was seeing God move and work and just doing incredible things, answering prayers. And then there came a time when we got married and um, a few years in started trying to have children and we were not able to have children. And so I was like, whoa, who is this? Who is the God that I have been walking with, talking with, praying to? I don't know this. I don't know this side of your character because 
I feel like what I'm asking for is, you know, what we're asking for is good th a good thing. And you are not providing that. And so um, there were ugly times for sure. And I can talk to you more about this, um, but just times of just not um, wanting to be in the word um, or seek him or just feeling just down in the negative space where the enemy just wants you, you know? Um, but I ended up, it ended up being um, like a psalm for me where you lament at the beginning and David's crying out and it's hard and it's tough, but then by the end, your heart is completely turned back towards the Lord again and he woos you again. And so that was kind of the season of those years trying and going through that hard time. Um, but one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 73, and it just ministered to me greatly um, because you would just look, or I would look around and I would see wicked people getting things. And I'm like, but I don't, I don't feel like I, you know, like we're not deserving of a child. And so, um, but the Lord really just had me focus on being in his presence. He's like, just sit with me, just be in my presence. And it talks about that in Psalm 73, like it was when I went into your sanctuary, when I went there. Um, and it says, nevertheless, I am continually with you. Hold, hold my, with you, you hold my right hand, you guide me and you counsel me and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength and my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near the Lord. I have made the Lord, my, the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. And so that is what is on my heart, and that is like my life verse verses there because I just want to tell of all his works. I want to tell of what he has done, what he's doing, his promises, because there's nothing greater. So good. Even in suffering, nothing greater. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned my friend in high school, Amanda. Um, that was, we kind of touched on this earlier, but just this idea of like, but I'm doing all the right things. Like my understanding of the character of God at the time um, was not correct because when she loved the Lord and got cancer and died, um, that didn't make sense to me. And so coming to know that he allows things um, and there are things that we won't know and understand this side of heaven, but that she is with the Lord and we rejoice in that. Um, was a kind of a process of working through it, but also um, I remember I used to read scripture, consider it pure joy, the trials and tribulations, and I just used to wanna like throw my Bible across the room. Um, but over the years coming to know God's character and having him woo me back to him like she was talking about, um, I actually love that scripture now because it is, in his grace and in his mercy that we get to learn things that we do at the time that we do. And so I'm grateful to have learned some things early on that were really hard. Um, Amanda's not the only friend that I've had go be with the Lord over the years. And so I think the continued surrender is what comes to mind. Um, 
I had, it's about to come up on a year, um, another friend was in a car accident and was killed and learning how to be gentle with myself over the years of when you're in deep grieving and suffering. Um, we went through Job and his friends knew how to come be with him and be silent for seven days and seven nights. And so learning how to be that friend, but knowing that in Romans, it talks about the Holy Spirit interceding when you don't have the words, like different seasons of suffering have looked different. And knowing in this last season that I know the character of God and even when I don't feel those things, I'm surrendered to the truth of him and there are times where you pray and the words don't come and so the Holy Spirit intercedes and I'm so grateful to have friends who also have come alongside and they pray the, pray the prayers that I can't. Um, so it's looked like anger, which he can handle. It's looked like deep sadness. It's looked like no words at all and knowing that just me getting on my knees to pray, even if there are no words, he delights in that, um, and being obedient to him because he is a good father and he, we are his children, like Will talked about earlier, and he loves us. And in this world, sometimes that doesn't make sense to us, but what we read in the scripture we know is true. And if you just give it a chance to live your life in those ways and you just give him a chance in those times, he is sweet in those moments. And some of those moments have been the closest that I felt with the Lord. And some of those moments, it was tough and I needed a friend to pray for me. Um, but he's so consistent and he never changes even though our emotions change all the time. Yes. Hey, let's hear it for these two ladies. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Oh, if you ever host or to use this, you don't have to turn them on and off anymore if you, if you used to. David has them all controlled back there. It's amazing. So what I wanna do is run through some really easily observable things about Tabitha, this incredible woman who <clears throat> is given this portion of the chapter. And I wanna just look at a few verses and then I kinda wanna turn those into questions and say, what can we learn from Tabitha, this lady who the Lord clearly had called, made a disciple, she was fully devoted, no hidden rooms. She began to exhibit mercy and kindness. We're gonna see how she did that. And then she also still was not void of suffering. So let's just take a look. Go to, to Acts chapter nine, starting in verse 36. We're just gonna start at the top. Now there was in Joppa, Joppa is a city town, or it's a town, like a city right on the ocean. Um, a lot takes place in Joppa in the book of Acts. There was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works, acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. When they washed her, they laid her in an upper room. So we're gonna pause right there. Some of the clear observations we can make are that Tabitha was a disciple. We've already talked about that. She was kind. We've talked about that. She showed mercy. And it, it, there's some nuances there. She kind of did both. If you take it back to the Greek, she did kindness and did mercy. It's probably a better, more accurate way to say it. Did you notice there's no mention of if Tabitha is married or single? That's an interesting little thing that was left out. She probably was a woman of means. So she had probably a good job, some sort of 
some sort of income that was happening. She probably was a woman of means. We've said that she suffered in verse 37. It, there's also some thoughts that she's gonna be brought to an upper room and Peter's used to an upper room. That's where the disciples first met when they were waiting on the Holy Spirit. There's a good chance that Tabitha's home was also used for a church. Now, I can't prove that to you for sure, but I would say that's like more than likely accurate. Her home was probably used for a church. There's something other kind of, something kind of nuanced in here also. If you look at, at these widows, look at this. Uh, it says in verse 37, in those days she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. And so these are widows who did this. If you noticed, it doesn't say she was anointed. Do you remember the women that went to the tomb to anoint Jesus after his death? That was a common thing. Why? Because they didn't quite have all the systems we have of preserving bodies, so bodies would smell bad as they would begin to decompose. So you would anoint the body so that you could lay in wake with the body, you could see the body, you could mourn over the person. There's a good chance that this woman of means intentionally associated with people who could not pay her back. She associated with people that were Poor. There's something really important about that, ladies. It's very common to associate with people that can give you something or make you look good when you walk into a room. This lady, Tabitha, had a different set of friends and influence. I think that's a really important nuanced detail in her, in here. And so, uh, in verse 38, since Luda was near Joppa. The disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come with us without delay. So Peter rose, went with them. When he arrived, they took him to the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. So this is, the, this is kind of the, the proof to what I was just saying. They, she is or Peter is surrounded when he walks into this house with these weeping widows. Now, widows in the first century, later on in the New Testament, were instructed that pure religion takes care of orphans and widows in their distress. That has not been written yet at this point. Widows were considered outsiders, outcasts. They were the lowest of the low. Who's there mourning over her? All these widows. And what were they doing? They were showing physical proof of her acts of kindness and mercy. They were saying, she made me this. She made me this. Look what she did for me. Look at this woman. So they had physical proof of her acts. She was more than just nice words to people. We keep going and it says, but Peter put them all outside. He knelt down and prayed and he turned to the body and he said, Tabitha, Arise. She opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand, raised her up, and then calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known all throughout Joppa. Many believed in the Lord, and he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. So her death was mourned, and I really think her death was mourned in this passage because she left a cross-shaped hole. 
I think it was more than the tunics that she left. I think when she left, they thought a piece of Jesus had left too. And that's a really important thing for us to think about. One day we will all be leaving this earth. What type of hole will we leave? Also, her return to life brought many to faith. So she was surrounded by faithful. Her return to life brought many to faith. So I think we gotta ask, what can we learn from Tabitha? I would say this, you and I are all disciples of something. Everyone in here is a disciple. Everyone in here is fully devoted to something. What type of dividends will that thing pay you back? I think another thing is, we all have a life of works that we're piling up. Turn with me quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter three. In 1 Corinthians three, it says this, and I'm gonna skip ahead. It talks about how Christ is the foundation and then in verse 11, it says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. The Lord, at some point when you die, will burn up all the stuff. He'll pile all of your works and he will light them on fire and the works that you did for him will be the only ones that remain. Tabitha, I think, had a pretty fireproof existence. We're all, ladies, all of you, and men as well, but this is directed towards you tonight, ladies, in particular. All of you are either demonstrating God's mercy or your own brand of cruelty. The opposite of mercy is cruelty. And we see that, you're, you're, there's a punishment that, that you can give someone in the way you treat them. Or there's a gift of mercy that, that mimics the Lord's that you can give people. And we're all either demonstrating kindness or selfishness. It'd be easy to say that meanness is the opposite of kindness, but I actually think selfishness is the opposite of kindness. I also... I think it's really important to go back to the idea that relationship status, ladies in particular, and you fellows too, relationship status does not have to define you. Sometimes the Bible leaves out details because we don't need to know the details. We don't need to know if she was married or single or a grandmother or a newlywed or a widow or had 15 kids or whatever. We don't need to know those things. What we need to know is that her relationship status, marriage-wise, did not define who she was. And that is crucial for you to understand, to really be a disciple and to exhibit the mercy, the kindness of the Lord. And I think it's also important for us to understand that suffering's gonna happen to everybody and you gotta ask the question, what kind of people are gonna gather around you when one day the suffering turns to death? 
Is it gonna be the folks who are weeping and saying, look what she did for us? Or is it gonna be the folks that are standing around going, I can't believe they buried her in that. Look at her. Like what kind of people will be gathered around you ladies when you go? Men, what kind of people will be gathered around you when you leave this life? Will it be the people you helped with the mercy and the kindness of God or people you lived with in cruelty and selfishness? Look, I've done a lot of funerals. Everybody wants to be a saint when they die, I promise you. I have gathered with numerous families and everybody, when they start telling the stories of the person, they're like, man, he was terrible. He kicked the dog every time he came in. He like, he smoked 17 packs a day and burned them on my forehead. Look at my forehead. Like you see like all kinds of stuff and then they're like, but he loved Jesus. You're like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. He didn't. Like, he didn't. Like everybody wants to be a saint when they go, but you are what you are. And I think this is really important. It's amazing, when Tabitha died, I really think they felt like they lost a bit of Jesus. So how does a person go from cruel and selfish to merciful and kind? I was, I think it's uh, like super simple and super clear. You have to meet the one who is the most merciful and the most kind. The one who you hear his voice in your darkest hour and you hear him say, I love you. And you hear him say, I love you just as you are and not as you should be, to quote Brendan Manning. For none of us are as we should be. You hear the one who says in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, come to me, all who labor and are heavy all who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And some of you have a tendency right now to say, I hear you, Thomas, but just tell me what I need to do exactly to be merciful and kind and to be considered a disciple. Look, this is, we had an offsite yesterday. Jordan Coughlin, one of our, our, our elders, also awesome worship leader, he and his wife, Tally, are over there tonight. Jordan and I were in this offsite meeting, a couple other staff members, and we kind of ended our meeting talking about this a little bit. Some of you are like, you just need some discernment. You don't need this like how to perfectly follow the formula roadmap. What, what you need is, what you want is like a Christian Google kind of faith. Like, here's my scenario. Tell me exactly what to do right now. What are the next five steps? What, what you want is direction for your life. What you need is discernment. And discernment comes at no small cost. Discernment comes with relationship. And relationship comes with time. And time with Jesus will guarantee the direction for your life. I promise you. Do you know there's no word for obey in the Hebrew? The whole Old Testament, there's not one word for obey. It's translated obey, that word obey is in the Old Testament. Do you know there's not one word for obey? Hear me on this, this is really important. The word that we use for obey is actually the word shema. And Heather said it when she was up here. The word for obey in Hebrew is actually listen. You wanna be a woman who 
is like Tabitha. You wanna be a man who is like one of those seven who were called, and that was my prayer for you as I prayed for you earlier. You need to listen to the voice of the one who loves you most. You need to listen to him in the scriptures. You need to listen to him in community. And don't worry about the results. They'll work out, I promise. You know, Tabitha is actually given two divine attributes. The most quoted verse in the Old Testament is Exodus 34, 6. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, or translated merciful and kind, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Tabitha is given a clear connection with the character of God. The reason Tabitha was given a clear connection with the character of God was because this story is not the first time Tabitha was dead. Tabitha had been dead before. In Ephesians chapter two, it says that we were dead in our sin and trespasses. This wasn't the first time someone had knelt down next to her and said, Tabitha, arise. The man himself, Jesus, at some point previous to this, had knelt down beside the dead woman, Tabitha, in her sins and called her to live. And Tabitha's not the hero of the story. It's the one who brought her from death to life. Jesus is the hero of the story. Tabitha, all she did was quit reading her own script She put it down and decided to read his script instead. And that's when we have this incredible woman to look to. And so that's my challenge for you tonight, is to put down your script. Put it down and pick up his. And may you be like Tabitha. And may the heart of Jesus live on through you. Let me pray for us. Father, as we close singing to you tonight. I ask, Lord, that you would help us to put our script down. If we are dead in our trespasses, may we hear your voice to arise, Father. And Lord, if there's death in our life, would you call us, if we are yours, Lord, call us back to you with full devotion. Turn that cruelty into kindness, Father. Turn that selfishness into mercy extended to others that people may see the heart of you in us. Lord, move in this place as we sing to you. In Jesus' name, Father, amen. As we sing, would you stand? And just know there are several folks in the back that would love to pray for you in this time.